This episode is going to be a supplement uh, and a sequel to the last episode on the invention of Elul, how Elul became Elul! Uh, so the first thing that I have to say, which is just embarrassing, is that Anu'i Dodi Vidodi is a Pasuk. It's absolutely a Pasuk in Shirashirim. Paragvav, Pasuk Gimel, Anu'i Dodi Vidodi Li. I'm sorry. That was just, that's inexcusable. Um, I probably got confused by the fact that there's also another Pasuk of, you know, Dodi Liva Anilo, and was just thinking that this was a paraphrase of that Pasuk. Uh, and I'm embarrassed. So there's that. Uh, a couple of comments came from Rav Yehoshua Duker, whose words are always worth listening to. And because he left me these comments as a voice note on WhatsApp, I asked his permission and said, can I just embed, their, embed your comments directly into the podcast? And he obliged. So here they are. I apologize for the voice note, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on, walking on. I just finished listening to your podcast about Elo. Uh, two points. First of all, there's a quote that goes around from Yisrael Stalanter, I believe, that you know, in Elul, uh, it used to be in the old days, even the fish in the river would be trembling in Elul. So it could be that it's not, uh, this concept of Elul is not maybe as uh, new as, as you suggest. The other point, which is something that I often think about, is that it's not just that it sort of came out of nowhere. It's that it displaced, at least in theory, an, another identity of this Tkufa, which is that you have the three weeks of Purana, so then you have the Shevadinachemta. And, okay, I don't know, 600 years ago, how much, you know, how, how much these weeks were, you know, commemorated as weeks of Nechama in any way other than just reading the Haftorah. But uh, it definitely, uh, in theory at least, there was an idea that that was the identity of these weeks, a time to focus on the upcoming Nechama, and that's totally become subsumed by this, uh, the idea of Elul. So, with regard to Rabbi Duker's first comment about Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, so, yes, this is, that is a paraphrase of something that Rabbi Salanter did say. I don't know about the fish, but Rabbi Yisrael Salanter did say something about the mood of Elul, the vibe of Elul. Except that the sense that you get is that he's talking about, um... I'll call it an imagined Elul. Clearly, he, he is remembering something, but it's, a, it's a nostalgic Elul, right? We're in, in Or Yisrael, letter 14. Um, he writes, I know that it used to be, As soon as somebody hears the word Elul, as soon as he's writing this in Parshas Re'e, so it's around the time of Rosh Chodesh benching, for Rosh Chodesh Elul. So Rosh Chodesh Elul year, you know, Rosh Chodesh Elul year beyom, you know, whatever day. And it's like everybody is gripped by fear. Right? And that anxiety, that fear, it was productive because it brought people closer to serving a Kodesh Baruch Hu, to, to serving Hashem. And then he goes on to say that, oh, it's not like that nowadays. So he's writing probably at some point in the, definitely at some point in the mid-1800s, he's writing about 
he's writing about Elul feeling and about how it's gone. We don't have any, we don't have it, any, we don't have this Elul feeling anymore. Um, and so we want to recover this Elul feeling. And he's talking about how do we recover, uh, how do we recover Elul feeling? And that's, that's essentially what Musser is. How do we, how do we recover feel, a sense of awe, a sense of, of yearning, a sense of yira, but more than anything else, a sense of out and out trepidation, fear, real fear. Um, because fear is the great motivator, charada, right? Um, Professor Chaim Soloveitchik talks a little about this a little bit in his, uh, in his famous essay, Rupture and Reconstruction, about how you know, he, can, he contrasts the experience of Panovich with the experience of, with, you know, the Alta Eden in Stiebel in, uh, in, in, in Boston. He says that the older generation, like, they were actually afraid. The younger generation, they may have had more Kavana, and they may have been more intense, and they may have, but they didn't have out-and-out fear. Um, so Rabbi Yisrael Salanter and Professor Soloveitchik are both describing a situation that is no longer. So it, it's, for me, I, I have no doubt that when Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was a kid, he had real fear and trembling of Chodesh Elul. Right? The question is, even in the early 1800s, you know, to what extent was that, to what extent is that a, um, is that nostalgic, right? Um, you know, I'm approaching this as a, as a historian, not as a, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not saying that Rabbi Yisrael Salanter isn't telling the truth, but memory is a funny thing. Um, and his memories, I think that if we want to say that this is how, this is what things were like before the time of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, we would need that to be a little bit more, um, more evidence-based. So, yeah, and he even says, you know, in that same letter, it says, Cherdat ha'elul kimat nechpita abanolitzlan, right? The fear, the trepidation of Elul is, has been almost extinguished. May God save us. Right? And then he talks about, you know, what are the, what are the reasons for this and how is it possible to, to, overcome, to overcome these. Uh, the second point that, um, that Rove Duker makes is that another potential, you know, if we're talking about how, to, how we organize Jewish time, uh, or the, the annual time. You know, so today we have this, you know, this 40 days from Rosh Hashanah Elul till Yom Kippur constitutes a single unit, and he raises the possibility of Sheva Dinechemta, the seven Haftaros that we read after, um, you know, after Tishabav as being a temporal unit. And he asked, okay, was that, I, I don't know if that was really a temporal unit. Um, so the truth of the matter is, and he doesn't know if it was just the Haftarah, if there were other things, there were piyutim that were said uh, not just on Shabbos Nachamu, you know, Yotzrot, uh, Yotzros, on Shabbos Nachamu were, were said until relatively recently, but if you go back further, there are uh, manuscripts of Putim that were said in Ashkenaz, uh, in early, you know, on all, or maybe if not all, but at least on several of the Sheva de Nechemta, which would, which would mean that this was a general you know, a, a, a larger vibe, meaning that this time period is the time period of the Sheva Dinechemta, which spans the second half of, uh, of, of Av and Elul, you know, and then until Shabbos Shuvah, which is right after, um, meaning the, 
<clears throat> last of the Shevet Ben Chemta, Sos Asis, is what we're going to be reading this Shabbos. Right? The, the last of the Shevet Ben Chemta is right before Rosh Hashanah. And then afterwards, you have Shabbos Shuvah. Um, the truth of the matter is, if you want to ask somebody, um, the person to ask about this sort of thing, and you know, the, the, the sense, the degree to which the Haftarah is actually something that, you know, the, the didactic, the pedagogical, educational role of the Haftarah in sort of shaping Jewish consciousness, um, the person to talk to is a different Rabbi Duker, the brother of Rabbi Yoshua Duker, and that's Rabbi Eli Duker, who, uh, you know, has probably forgotten more about Haftaros than any of us ever are going to know about Haftaros. He is an expert in the field writing a sefer on, on Haftaros, <clears throat> on the Haftaros. Um, you know, but there definitely was something, right? Meaning it was not just the Haftarah, it was the Haftarah plus Piyutim on some of the Shabbosos. So that is another, uh, another potential uh, periodization of the of the Jewish year, and it actually reminds me of a vart that my father says, and I think he invented it. You know, he'll say that he invented it, and I think it's a nice vart. Um, uh, it's not Pashup Shat, but it's definitely a nice vart. And it's also related to this week's parsha. The first, the first pasuk in the parsha is Atem Nitzavim Hayom Kulchem. You, all of you, right? Or if you know, we spend some time in the south, so uh, the way that he would say it there is. All y'all are standing here, are standing in front of, uh, you know, are standing here today. Roshichem, Shiftichem, etc., etc., etc. It ends up with Mechotve Eitzecha Ad right? From your wood choppers to your water carriers. So my father asks, you're saying from A to B, um, usually you want to get from one end to the other, right? May hodu viad kush. May tifrach v'ad right? You want to go from minakotze elakotze, from A to Z, from Aleph to Tuf, from Alpha to Omega. Fine. You want to span the whole thing. I know that there's a day in the Gemara that says that tifrach and Aza and that, uh, and that hodu and kush were actually next to each other, and that could be that that's the answer, that may mecha. It doesn't, it's not trying to expand to, to, to to encompass an entire range. It's just, you know, it's, it's giving one extreme example or adjacent extreme examples. But if you're going to say, it's supposed to be on opposite ends of the spectrum, how are your water, wood choppers and your water carriers on opposite ends of the spectrum? Wood choppers and water carriers, you know, or we think of them as being, you know, belonging to the same segment of society, right? Manual laborers, unskilled laborers, blue collar, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't take much skill to, draw, to carry water, and it doesn't take much skill to chop wood. You know, it may take some physical strength, but it doesn't, you know, but not, not skill. Um, and so my father says, he says, it's the time, uh, it, it, it's not talking about people, it's talking about the time. He says that when are you standing before a Kaddish Um When? From the time of your wood choppers until the time of your water carriers or water drawers. 
What's the time of the woodchoppers? Tubaav. Tubaav is the uh, is this month was the date where they would bring the wood for the year to the base of Mikdash. It was a day of wood donation, right? So Chod Be'Itzecha, the woodchoppers are connected to Tubaav. Shavei Mecha. When in the Jewish calendar do we draw water? Is there is there an Indian of drawing water? That's Sukkot. Every day of Sukkot, they would have this in Tzitzis Beisashoeva. They would draw water. They would pour out the water on the Mizbeach, which is a different type of carbon. Right? You have a. It, it's almost like there's a carbon of Eitzim of wood, and there's a carbon of water, and those two carbonos those define this period of the year, right? From Tuba of until Sukkot two months later. That's the time where we're most Lifnei Hashem Elokechem, where we're we experience being in front of God. I love that part. I, you know, it's a great part. Um, it's like a very good two-shell of the... It's a, it's a very good application of the Shovei Nimecha and Chotei Yitzecha and, and the, and the res- resonances that do, t- those two terms have. So, great part. Um, and that also sort of moves in the direction of... Um, moves in the direction of you know, this time period being... You know, that the time period could be moved back. It doesn't have to start necessarily on Rosh Chodesh It could start right after Tisha B'Av. It could start in the middle of Av. Um, okay, so that's the second, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, Adkan, the discussion of uh, Rabbi Duker, what Rabbi Duker suggested. There were a couple of other things that, uh, that came up and that were related in various contexts. Now, another Twitter follower who, whose account seems to have disappeared, unfortunately, that is the, uh, the great E-Prisoner, um, a, uh, clearly a nod to uh, Rav Elia Prisoner, um, uh, uh, one of the great Gedolim of Lithuania, the uh, early part of the late, late 19th, early 20th century, and the grandfather of Rav Soloveitchik, of Rav Yosef Dov Soloveitchik, and Rav Aaron Soloveitchik, and, you know, and the, you know, the, the father-in-law of Moshe Soloveitchik. Um, so, the mother of, of Revitin Petra Soloveitchik. So he points out that, you know, and, and, and several others also brought sources that in early, in early modern Ashkenaz, uh, like in the, in the in the 15th, even in the 15th and I'm sorry, even in the 16th and 17th centuries, they did have the yeshivas did have benazmanim, but the descriptions of benazmanim it it seems pretty clear that whenever the zman ended, first of all, there were some in some of the descriptions, the zman there's only about seven zmanim. There's only about seven months of official zman per year, and this is related to takanos, like from the vad arba haratzos. The, the vad arba haratzos was like there were certain obligations that, certain, you know, the the local community undertook to feed a certain number of yeshiva students for a certain number of months per year, and then a certain amount of time the boy had to go to the neighboring communities and. Uh, and go there for you know for their food and their expenses, um, and other times it was you know the, it was not the community's responsibility 
to, to feed the boys. So Bein HaZamanim was like, you know, a semester break where it's like basically, it basically meant you were kicked out of the dorm. It didn't mean that like, oh, the guys need a vacation. No, it was the community needs a vacation from the guys um, or a staycation. Get the guys out of here and well, you know, you know, the, the community can like, you know, have some semblance of normalcy for a little while. Um, it seems like that's what's going on. But, you know, um, figures like the Shlo talk about Bein HaZmanim, that really there shouldn't be Bein HaZmanim, um, that the whole idea of Bein HaZmanim is, is probably similar to what we were saying about Velazhin. Um, there should be no Bein HaZmanim. But it's clear that they did have Bein HaZmanim and that there were, it was two Bein HaZmanims per year. Um, but it seems that whatever Bein HaZmanim was, it included the Yom HaMnorayim. The Yom HaMnorayim plus Sukkot were um, were part of Bein Hazman, at least in the descriptions that I read. So that's another, you know, that sort of goes together with what we saw about the Hungarian yeshivas. It's the idea that, you know, even, you know, even though yeshivas are much earlier and Bein Hazman is an earlier phenomenon, the idea that, the idea of an Elulzman, I still haven't pinpointed exactly where the idea of an Elulzman comes from, like which was the first yeshivas that had this really short, intense Elzman, uh, but it was relatively recent. Um, I also, there were a couple of other things about David that I neglected to mention. I meant to say this, and I didn't say it. There are several groups of Hasidim, um, San and Babav, and I'm sure others as well, that don't say Ledavid. They do not say the Mizmar of Ledavid Hashem Ori, uh, because they, it's attributed to the Sefer Chemdas Yamim, which is a 17th century work that has been accused at various times of having uh, Shabtai influences. There was a really good podcast episode on Sfarim Chatter about Chemdas Yamim, right? And that are there are there Shabtai influences? Are there Sabbatean influences on Sefer Chemdat Yamim? There are probably some, but it seems that it's such a hodgepodge and such a pastiche of so many different things that it's you know, really hard to tease out which parts are which parts are Shabtai and which parts aren't, and things could have come from anywhere. Um, I did point out though last time that you know even that you do have you know people like the Chida even in even in, you know, in the early 19th century, which is when this minog really seems to have caught on, we're saying that it's, you know, it's a minog alpi Kabbalah, or that, you know, Ledavid has special, um, you know, say Ledavid every day. Um, but it is interesting that Sans and Babov and the and related presidios do not say Ledavid ad hayom hazeh. Okay. Um, a couple of other points. Um, so I was also wrong about when Spartan started saying, you know, when the minhag of Spartan began to be that, uh, you know, to say slichos all elos. Um, now the Torah already mentions this minhag, and it's an interesting. It's interesting to see how the Torah, how the Torah formulates it. Okay, so we'll read the Torah. Uh, it's in Orachayim Tavkov Pei Aleph. It says, Yeish, Mishamar ben Lomar, Slichos v'Tachanunim, Meirosh Choresh, Elul v'Eilach. There are some people 
Some people have the minhag to increase the saying, the recitation of slichos and tachanunim, right? Petitions, petitionary prayer from Rosh Chodesh Elul on. So according to Rav Kohen Tzedek, sorry, Rav Kohen Tzedek, someone apparently one of the Gaonim, Minog Beis Yeshivos Lomar Slichos Tachanunim Baaseres Yimei Tshuva. That in the Gaonic Yeshivas, the Minog was to say Slichos only during the Aseres Yimei Tshuva. V'chinamar Rav Amram Baaseres Yimei Tshuva. Mashkimen Lebeis Akinesis. That Rav Amram Gaon in his Siddur says only in only during the Aseres Yimei Tshuva. Maskol Ashas Ashrei V'Kadosh. It says that you know the structure that we have today: Ashrei Kadosh, then Tachanunim, and then Kadosh. Um, and, and then he quotes Rav Haigon, Minaglomer Tachanunim, Bahanach Asarayomim, also Asarasimei Tshuva. Vishamana, and he continues, Rav Haigon continues, Devamiktas Asrevasa, in some places, Kamimir Rosh Chodesh Elul, they do this from Rosh Chodesh Elul, Vaamri Debeisalik Moshe Lahar Pam Gil. They say that that's the day that Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the third time on Tahar Sinai, Venachas Pluchos Shneos, and they eventually came down with the second Luchos. Yom HaKippurim. And everybody who increases in, you know, who says more and more, uh, you know, who asks for more mercy, it's good. It's not a bad thing. That's the end of what Rav Haigon says. I think that that's, seems that that's the end of what Rav Haigon says. And then the Torah says, Our minhag is like those who say Slichos starting in Rosh Chodesh Elo. Now, it's an interesting thing that in some of the printings of the tour, it says here, Ve'eno minhagenu kehanach tekanim Rosh Chodesh Elo. It's not our minhag to say Slichot from Rosh Chodesh Elo, but those girsaos are wrong, right? I went to the earliest girsaos of the tour, and it says, Ve'anu minhagenu. And if you look at the Dibur Hamaskil and the Beis Yosef on this, it also says, Ve'anu minhagenu. Right, the Eno Min Hagenu is something that crept in later. Obviously, it completely changes the meaning and it, it reverses the meaning. Um, but that's not what the Torah actually says. It's Anu Min Hagenu. Um, Rabbi Luker also shared with me uh, some lengthy footnotes uh, you know, that talk about other Min Hagim of Slichos in Sfard, right? Sfardic Min Hagim. Um, that were that are not mentioned by that are not mentioned here by the Torah. Um, that uh, he quotes the Ran on the Rif in Rosh Hashanah says so. The Ran is in the fourteenth uh, is, is in the thirteenth. Sorry, the fourteenth century, the thirteen hundreds in Spain, um, and it's mashma from what he says there that in Barcelona and the areas around there, in Catalonia, they started getting up early to say Slichos on Chafhei Elul, right? So here we have, that's similar to Minag Ashkenaz, to the Ashkenazic Minag of, of starting a few days before Rosh Hashanah, but on Matzi Shabbos, a few days before Rosh Hashanah. Here you have a specific date, Chafhei Elul, um, and in Jerona Glilosahel Shalulaku Ad Rosh Hashanah, that the Minag in Jerona, which is also in Catalonia, it's right near Barcelona, was that you started only 
on Rosh Hashanah, meaning during the SSMA Tuba themselves. You know, and he also quotes that there are some people that start in the beginning of Elul. Um, there's a, a day from a Talmud of the Rashba that says, um, sorry, yeah, he says, um, just yesterday, too, but the Avudraham, it's mashma from the Avudraham that the minug, the main minug was to start saying slichos in the middle of Elul, Hamisha Asar Yom Elul, the 15th day of Elul. Um, so you have, and, and it didn't become the minug in Sfarad until, you know, the tour is, is later than, than all of these Sfarad. The, the tour is the late, um, the tour is, say, the generation after, after the Raja, the late 1300s um, is when the tour lives. So you know, the Avudraham is a little bit earlier, the, the Ran is a little bit earlier, and so it seems that throughout the, you know, from the end of the time of the Gaonim until, uh, until the late Sephardic Rishonim, like the tour, right, slowly, slowly, the beginning time for Slicho sort of crept backwards from the Aserasi Tuva and to Chafei Elul to the middle of Elul and all the way back to Rosh Chodesh Elul, which is an interesting thing that you can really trace here, you know, the different Minhagim, and, and some, some of these things are going on at the same time, right? You know, and there were times that some of the minhug, you know, some places did this minhug, some places did that minhug. It wasn't a specific, you know, universal minhug, uh, minhug sfarad until, until later. Um, so these whole, you know, this is from, he was, he's quoting from a sefer called Gilgule Minhag Ba'olam Ha'alacha by Yaakov Gertner. Um, so finally, I'm going to circle back to the beginning and back to Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. And Rabbi Yisrael Salanter sort of says something. Um, you know, he, he also he takes a you know a, a similar approach to. He's not saying what he quotes the tour. Um, and in context of quoting the tour, he actually he says you know, it's 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 an interesting thing. He says that there are some people that say um, there are some people that take you know Elul very seriously and they start saying Slikos at the beginning, at the beginning of the month, right? The um, like the tour says to do. And there are some people they don't get the memo until later. And there are some people that don't get the memo until Mama's right before Rosh Hashanah. Um, so it's an interesting thing that he's taking these different minhagim that were, you know, that the Torah records, um, and that the different minhagim of Sfar, the different minhagim of Ashkenaz, and he's basically saying that these are, you know, it depends, it, it depends not on the location or not on the minhag, but the, but the person. Um, this is in Kochve or section four, which probably means that it's, uh, this actually might be Rav, uh, Ravitzela Petterberger writing this. Um, no, I think it is, it is Rav Yisrael Salanter. 
So he's saying that like, yeah, there are some people that get it right away. There are some people, it's like, you know, if, if you wanna, I guess it's in the Ana de Yoma, you wanna, you wanna get tickets to an event like to see the king, right? So there are some people that, you know, they camp out and they line up overnight to get tickets, right? So he's, you know, somebody that stands in line for how long they stand in line in order to, in order to see the, uh, you know, how, how long people stood in line in order to see um, uh, Queen Elizabeth in state. Um, so you have a similar, you have a similar thing here. You know, how, he's using that as a metaphor. How many people are willing to, you know, in order to get the best tickets to, I don't know, to a concert or to see the king, the people that are gonna camp out overnight by the box office to make sure that they get the tickets, they're gonna be the people that are gonna, you know, get there a few hours before it opens and then they're gonna be people that get, get there when it opens and, you know, so you're saying that that's, you know, that's the Elul experience. For some people, the Elul experience starts on Rosh Chodesh Elul. For some people, the Rosh Chodesh Elul, the, 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 the Elul experience starts a little bit later. You know, that's how he understands the word Kibbeneh Maron. Um, he says, you know, Kol Bay Olab Yavru Lefanov Yisbarach Shemo Zachar Zeh Kol Misha Zochelav or Rishon Rishon Hu Gever Mutzlach Kasher not everybody's going to come at the same time to, you know, to, to plead their case before God. Some people come early. And some people, you know, um, you know, and right as soon as they hear the Rosh Chodesh El, as soon as they hear the shofar being blown on Rosh Chodesh El, they start preparing themselves to stand in judgment. Right, um, and he says, "Some people are going to go later. Some days of the month of El are going to pass. They won't really be paying attention to this until you know they see that. Oh, it's really right upon us. It's really it's right here. The Mehadin are upon us. Od." Some people will delay even further. And some people aren't going to get it until the day before Rosh Hashanah. Right? So he says that the Elul experience is not an experience that everybody shares. Some people have it for, for some people, the Elul experience starts in Rosh Hashanah. For some people, it doesn't start until Rosh Hashanah. Um, obviously, he's saying that we should strive to be among the people who, you know, for whom the Elul experience begins on, on Rosh Hashanah. We start preparing ourselves on Rosh Hashanah. Um, but some of us are not going to be like that. So you have this, you know, he's, he's taking this, uh, this structure that the, that the tour and Minogashkana sort of set out as a um, different Minhagim, and he's almost like he's saying that it's an, an individual thing. So for some people, you know, Slichus is something that they want to start doing on Rosh Hashanah. And for some people, it's not going to start till the Asarasim Chuva. And for some people, it'll be a week before Elul. Um, and some people, two weeks, right? If we add all the, uh, if we add all the different minhagim. So that will conclude our, uh, our Elul musings. Um, I'm hoping to get to another couple of podcasts before Rosh Hashanah starts. I have, I have, a, I have something to say about the Simanov of Rosh Hashanah, so I want to do that. Um, and I'm hoping that I will have an opportunity to sit down once again with 
Chaim came in um, to do another podcast with him. So if that happens, I'm sure everybody, everybody listening will be, uh, will be happy about that. Um, all right, call to Ksilova Tova, a good bench to Yar, and uh, have a good one.